0: Have you ever had one of those weeks that happened all in one day? Anybody ever have one of those? I, anybody have one of those that, this week? <laughs> I had one of those this week. Yeah, I gotta tell you a little bit about mine. I'm sorry, you don't get to tell everybody about yours, you're, but I get to tell you a little bit about mine, right? One day this week, right in the middle of the week, woke up a little after 4 a.m., couldn't sleep, right? So I couldn't sleep, and as a pastor, you know, I think, okay, now I'm starting to get some thoughts for a sermon, grab my phone, you know, turn it on, and, you know, I'm a swiper, I don't know, but the gestures, you know, so I'm swiping, you know, and I'm, you know, and then I'm studying, and I'm reading the Bible, and then I'm praying a little bit, you know, and then all of a sudden I notice some, I've got some notifications, you know, I've got a message from somebody that's got a need, and somebody else has got a question, so, you know, I'm answering all of that, and all that's going on, and everything, and, you know, it really just starts out like just a... A really good morning. It starts early, but it starts like a really good day, you know. And, and you know when that happens, and you really feel like, man, look at this. You know, God's given me a couple of thoughts that I've, I've got for that sermon series that's coming up next month. And, and and you know, and here were some people that really needed me here in the middle of the, you know, kind of the middle of the night. You know, it's still dark outside, and, and it, this was an amazing morning the way it all began. And it is like. What happened, you know, God, you know, you know what I'm talking about? A 30-minute errand turns into a two-hour errand, you know, you know, you know, know, uh, somebody gets sick, you know, in the family, and then you end up taking a two-year-old granddaughter with you to a lunch meeting, you know, again, try try to have a lunch meeting with a two-year-old granddaughter sitting next to you, you Yeah, and then on your way to the lunch meeting, you know, you jump in your wife's van and you take off down the road and say, oh, i got to stop and get gas. And you only get about four blocks. And you got to walk another four blocks to get gas, you know, and, and, and to get it filled up and, and to get, get back home. And, you know, and, and, and then you take your wife's van later that day because it's, it's, got some, it's got some problems with the axle. So you take it and drop it off. Does this sound familiar to anybody else? And, and, and as you're leaving, you remember to leave the key inside just like they told you to do. And you lock the key inside of the van. And so then you got to call and say, wait a minute, I got I to go get another key. It's like over and over and over and over. And I would really love to tell you today that it was my wife's fault that I ran out of gas. But I can't tell you that today, you know, because what happened was actually the night before I had to go to the the pharmacy and get some more meds for this stuff that I'm dealing with, you know, and and, uh, I didn't even look at the gas gauge, you know, so I didn't even notice and and, uh, I I guess I'm glad I got home at night and had to walk during the day even though we had the grandchild with us as well and all that and all this. I, I will say this in my defense though, that I was under a whole lot of medication when I did that, okay? So if y'all, just forgive me for those, for, for that. You know, overlook and say, the pastor runs out of gas. Or, I hadn't done that in a long time, but, but I, under a lot of heavy medication with steroids and, and antihistamines and all, all kinds of stuff, which incidentally also that morning that I woke up at 4-something, I, I overdosed on my On on, on my antibiotic that morning as well, so you know, just just you know, more stuff on top of that, and and then as as I was arriving home finally for the last time that day, because the first time I thought I arrived home for the for the last time that day, I had a phone call, and uh, I had some materials in my trooper that I had picked up early that morning at Lowe's that I had never dropped off here at the Civic Center so the men were here to do a serve project could actually do the project. So, the, so you know, I get home and I think I'm, I'm here, for the, here for the night and I gotta jump back out and run over you know, and deliver that and then I get home, I pull up, I park on the street. Too many other cars at our house. I park on the street and I'm sitting there and I'm about to get out and I'm thinking, if I had known this morning at four whatever, 15, that this day was gonna turn out like this day what would I have done differently? You know, that I, I was—I I, just—I was staring. I, I turned to get out, but I didn't even open the door. I was just looked out the window and I thought, "What would I have done differently?" I think I might have gotten up, taken a big old dose of knockel and gone back to bed and hoped to sleep all the rest of the day if I'd have known. Right? I mean, it's, isn't that what you want to do when you when you think about those things? But you know what? The, do you know the immediate uh, uh, idea that came to me after I thought that? If I had known, and then I thought. And yet, do you ever just it seems like you just take leave of your senses a little bit. All the stuff that you seem to know about God and theology and, and all the stuff you know about the Bible and the promises and everything, it just kind of leaves you for a moment and you say something really, really stupid to God. <laughs> Nobody's ever done that with me, right? So I, so I kind of asked if I had known, would I, what would I have done differently today? And then I, I stopped and I said this one out loud. I said, "God, did you know all this was going to happen today?" Now, obviously, God knew everything was going to happen today, but, I, I, you know, just for just a moment, you know, I had this mental lapse, so it a, and I just, did you know all this was going to happen today? And then, you know, immediately I thought, of course he did. And so then I asked him this, then why didn't you tell me when you had me awake at 4.15 this morning, why didn't you warn me that all this was going to happen today? And that brings us to the story of Joseph in Genesis chapter 37. Joseph had one of those days. He woke up, and it was an awesome morning because he had just had a dream from God. Oh, man, I've had a, I woke up the other day, God was speaking stuff to me. This is gonna be an awesome day. That's what Joseph thought. He said, this is gonna be a great day. I have had a dream. In Genesis chapter 37, verse five through seven, Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. All the more, what does that mean? I don't have time to read you all the background, so I, Let's just start right here, but what happened, they already hated Joseph. Joseph was the favorite. They already hated him, and Joseph has a dream, and when he tells it to his brothers, they hate him even more. You know what? Listen to what he says about the dream. Listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. That's why they hated him. Is it it, uh, you're saying our sheaves are gonna bow down to you? Joseph said I've had this dream. Now think about it. Joseph he he wakes up. Oh, man That was an awesome dream He grabs that coat of many colors that his dad had made for him and he puts it on and he puts on a smirk on his face And he goes out to his brothers and let me tell you something, guys y'all gonna bow before me one day No wonder they hated him. No wonder they hated him. Can I tell you something? God gave the dream There is no problem with the dream Okay, somebody needs to get that. There is no problem with the dream. The dream that God has put in your life to have a great marriage, to have a great future, to have great kids, to have a great job, there is no problem with the dream. The dream is not sick. The dream is not ill. The dream is not dying. The dream is not evil. There is no problem with the dream. It's all the junk that gets between you and the dream that is the problem. So this morning I want to talk to you about obstacles, the obstacles between you and your dream, because the dream is still there, and if you know it 's a dream from God, and all those good things that God has spoken to you he says, "I want to do this for you," and, and He stirs you that 's a dream from God, and there is nothing wrong with it. The dream is still powerful, the dream is still there there 's just a whole lot of stuff that gets between us and the dream sometimes so let 's talk about obstacles all right and you know just before we get to the first, you know what the first obstacle is. What is the first obstacle? Anybody got any idea? The very first obstacle you have with just about anything you want to do in life, the first obstacle is ourselves. Somebody got it. I heard somebody say, I'm the first obstacle to my dream. I got to get over me before I can get to that thing or that that wasn't. And Joseph was the same way. Okay, so let's go to the obstacles right here. And here's the first part of that about myself is the level of understanding how much understanding do you really have about the thing? Okay, now, there is a difference in ignorance and stupidity. Did you know that? In the immortal words of Loretta Lynn, because my wife has watched uh, Coal Miner's Daughter about a hundred times, is why I know this. In the immortal words of Loretta Lynn, I may be ignorant, but I ain't stupid, okay? Now, you know the difference, right? You know the difference? You see, sometimes there's not a lot of difference in the way things turn out. You know, when ignorant people do things and stupid people do things, there's not a lot of difference in the way it turns out, but there's a little more honor in being ignorant than there is being stupid, okay? Here's the reason, is because we're all ignorant at times. You entered life ignorant. You didn't know a thing. You had to learn it all. You were ignorant. There's no shame in being ignorant because you just don't know. You entered life ignorant. Ignorant. Those of you that are married, you entered, li- entered marriage ignorant. You know, those of you who aren't married yet, you're going to enter marriage ignorant. You enter parenthood ignorant. I know you think you know exactly what you're going to do with your kids, and you look at all these people that are messing everything else up about their kids, and you think how, think how ignorant they are, but you're going to learn one day. You're going to learn one day when your 13 year old tells you you are ignorant. <laughs> And you don't understand how to raise me. You don't know what's going on in me. Were you ever 13 years old, Mom? You know, were you ever dealing with these hormones, Dad? You're ignorant. You're going to, you don't know it today, you're going to find out when they grow up and tell you that you're ignorant. But there's no shame in that because we're all ignorant. Here's the shame. It's when we don't know that we're ignorant. That's, oh, that's, that's the problem here. And here we got Joseph. Joseph was ignorant and didn't know it. Have you ever had to deal with somebody who did not know that they did not know? Yeah, oh, that's one of the toughest there is. You know, and the worst problem you can have, the worst problem you can have is one that you do not recognize. And I know you don't, you think, well, I don't know. I got one I recognize right now that's really, really, really bad. Okay, but imagine you've got that same problem, but you don't know it. That makes it worse than it is right now, right? The worst problem you can have is a problem that you do not recognize. It is a problem of ignorance. That, that's the problem. You've got, you've got to understand and recognize this so you can do something with it. See, here's, here's, what, here's what Joseph did. Is he got up and he said, hmm, I've had a dream from God. I know it all. now. I know what is going to happen. They are going to bow to it. And he goes outside and he starts telling all of this and he gets everybody mad. He gets all of his brothers mad. Now, if you don't know the story of Joseph, I don't have time to to preach all of the whole story of Joseph, so I'm going to let you in on a little secret right here: is they get mad at him, mad enough they start talking about killing him later. And and then they decide not to kill him, but they throw him into a pit. And then then they they say, well, let's not leave him in the pit. Let's make some money off of him, so let's sell him into slavery. And they sell him into slavery, and he's taken into a foreign land. And and they think they'll never see him ever again, so they go home and tell their dad he died. They, 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 take a, they take his coat and, and they, they, they take some animal's blood and pour it over the blood and take it home to the dad. And they allow their dad, look at that, they allow their dad to believe this son that, 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 he, that is beloved to him, the most cherished. I, I, I know it's wrong for him to love this son more than he loves the others, but he does. And they go home and they allow their dad to believe that this son has died a horrible death. That's how much hatred they got inside of them for that. And you you know where this hatred came from? Because Joseph was ignorant. He didn't know how to deal with people. He didn't know how to deal with dreams. He had a dream from God, and he said, I have heard from God, and I don't need to hear from anybody else. There's a lot of that going on in the world today. I have heard from God, and I don't need to hear from anybody else. Joseph didn't think, well, my dad, you know, uh, my dad, his name is, was Jacob, and God changed it to Israel. And you and I know what that means today, don't we? He was the father of that nation over there that God protects when all the rest of the world comes against them. This is who his father was. And he didn't, really, he didn't think that, well, you know, my dad, he, he probably knows something about hearing from God. He didn't even think, I need to go down the hall there and say, Dad, Dad, I've, I've had a dream, and, and, and this is what I think it means. What do you think, Dad? No, I've heard from God. I don't need to talk to Dad. Mom? Or my brothers, okay, his brothers hated him, but not Reuben, Reuben was the oldest. I mean, if you read the story, look at Reuben, and you see what, Reuben was the oldest, and Reuben was taking charge, and Reuben was, was feeling like, I've got some responsibility here. He could have talked to Reuben and said, Reuben, listen, I know I've made you guys mad, but I've had this dream, and I don't know what it means. He could have talked, but, but no, I, I, I don't need to talk to him. I heard from God, and, and, we, and today we're seeing people hear from God and never need to hear from anybody else, and they've got all these people around them, you know, if God tells you today, if he calls you into the mission field and tells you to go to the very deepest, darkest jungle of Africa and preach his word, then you're going to have to go if that's what he tells you to do. But please don't pack up this afternoon. Please go find somebody that's been in missions work and sit and talk to them. Please go find somebody that speaks the language that you're going to have to speak there and learn the language. I mean, do you understand what I'm saying? It's just because we hear from God. I heard from God this Wednesday morning at 4.15, but guess what? He didn't tell me everything I needed to know for the whole day. I still had to reach out, and I still had to understand, and I had to understand some other things. Joseph was ignorant, but you don't have to stay ignorant. You can reach out to the people around you that know something, Come on, God has given you those people. He's given you those parents. I, I've got two mentors and a counselor friend that I talk to. I talk to these people, and I've got these people, and they're, they're all kind of different, you know, when I've got different needs. And speak to them. We, we all need other people. I've pastored for over 20 years, been in ministry for, for 30 years now, and, and, and I still need people to talk to. I know what God's vision is. I know what God's direction is. I know what the dream is here. But there's still times that I still need somebody to talk to. I, I Don't remain ignorant by, by saying, well, I've heard from God and I don't need anything else. Yeah, you still need to talk to somebody else. You need to find those people. And that's, that's, that's why it's so important for you to hear this this morning. Man, it's a small group launch. You need to be around these people So they share stuff with you. You don't need to just hear. You need to hear from God on Sunday morning, but you don't need to just hear from God on Sunday morning. You need to be challenged by somebody that's been there. I mean, one of the things I love most, uh, you know, I've always tried to do is learn how to do some things from some people and how to not do some things from some other people. You know what I'm talking about? You got any of those kind of people in your life? People around you that you look and say, yeah, I don't want to go that way there are people sitting around you right here, right now in this church that would love to tell you the mistakes they made trying to do exactly what God has laid in your heart to do. Don't go out there and be ignorant, make stupid decisions. Gleaned from the wisdom and the knowledge that is around you. Okay, I, I got to hurry. But, but let me show you something that happens two verses down. In verse nine, uh, Joseph had another dream and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream, and this time the sun and the moon were 11 stars, bow- and 11 stars were bowing down to me. They immediately recognized what he, what he also recognized. God is saying, your father, the sun, your mother, the moon, and your 11 brothers are all going to bow to you also. Now, the first time Joseph told them his dream made them mad, he was ignorant. When they got mad, more mad at him when he told them, and then he had another dream, and he went and told them, and he, and he put on that coat, and he put on that smirk, and he went out and told them, now he's not ignorant, He's stupid. You know, when, when, when you know and you don't, you know, when you don't know, you're ignorant, but when, when you know, when you've had an experience, you realize, wait, that didn't go right. And then you still don't reach out to the people around you. And you still don't seek more than just the feeling and the emotion of the calling to do and, and the calling to be, then, 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 yeah, that's when you get into stupidity. And so this is where, where Joseph got. And so, you know, what we, saw, we see for the next 13 years, he's trying to get the stupidity out of him. And we see that it happens. And it takes a while. Because here's, here's the next part of the obstacle that is, that is Joseph. And it is that he has a holy selfishness. A holy selfishness. And, 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 and we see this because when he sees the dream, he immediately says, let me tell you what's going to happen to me. Let me tell you how good this is going to be for me. You guys are going to be bowing down, but let me tell you about me. You guys are going to be, be subservient to me. I'm going to be something because I'm going to, it said, I rise up. That's what my dream shall I rise up and y'all are going to bow down. I'm lifted up. You're pushed down. I'm exalted. You are abased. And all it, this whole dream was all about him. Joseph, the most, the, the hardest lesson Joseph had to learn is the dream is not all about him. It is about you, but it's not all about you. Okay, and we, and we get this in, in, in churches, even Christians. I mean, listen to how much we say me, my, I, my, me, my, my, I, over and over and over. Read your posts on your Facebook and take out a few eyes, Take out a few me's and my's. Listen to how you speak and, 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 and think about those things. And you know what? But it's okay. It's okay to be selfish in this way because it's holy selfishness. Right? Because God told us this was going to happen in our lives. But can I tell you something? The promises of God do not belong to you alone. They don't belong to, they belong to his body. They belong to his church. They belong to us as a group of people. It is a together, it is a together promise that we have. I know, some, I know some of you, you're arguing with this. You're saying, no, 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 no. I know God spoke that. I know, yes, he did. But maybe he spoke, but in the Bible, those promises, not a one of them has your name written by it and it belongs to you and you only. The toast promises belong to every person in this room, every person in this, in this, in this uh, world that calls themselves by the name of Jesus Christ as a Christian and as following. Every one of those belong to them. And even those who don't yet call themselves Christians, the promises belong to them. All they just have to do is to make that first step. And the promises belong to them. But there's this holy selfishness. <laughs> let's, let's talk about my my, my, my thing, my ministry. You know, uh, my stuff. We're gonna do and and y'all come on, y'all come on to church. Help me do my thing, and y'all y'all pay for my my stuff, and y'all pay for my ministry and my missions trip, and listen to my song, and and, and, and y'all come to me teaching to to my small group, and to, you know you know and small groups are launched today, and I I encourage hosts to quit talking about your small group and talk about hey come, come help me with a small group, and it not be it not be my me my our. our Because, (coughs) you know, see, I'm not preaching this for the good of the church, like the institution, all right? I'm preaching this for the good of the people who are sitting before me that are struggling because the dreams aren't happening. And why are the dreams not happening? Because we're getting in the way of them getting there. The reason Joseph couldn't get to his dreams and it took him 13 years, 13 years before he ever set foot in the house of Pharaoh. 13 years, and then nine more years before he ever saw his brothers. And they did bow to him, but it wasn't anything like he thought. There was so much more to that dream. And he blew it for all those years, thinking it's gonna be this, thinking it's gonna be that, thinking it's gonna be that. And he just couldn't get over it, he couldn't get over it. Can we prove it? Because when he was in prison, he, he, uh, he interpreted a couple of dreams when he was in prison. For a baker and for like the cupbearer or the butler of Pharaoh. And when he, when he, when he uh, interpreted the dream for the cupbearer, the, 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 uh, the butler of Pharaoh, he says, when all goes well with you, when you get back to Pharaoh's house, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. I would have probably said the same thing, but see it again? The holy selfishness. It's like Joseph said, oh, thank God. I've got a friend right here in this prison. He's about to leave. I'm gonna, he's going to be my ticket out of here. Instead of seeing, no, this is just good news for the cupbearer. This is a dream. This is a promise for him. Joseph had to usurp, usurp the dream. He had to bring it into himself and say, oh, this is, this is going to be good for me. It's going to be good for me. And again, the scriptures that we use over, we used it again last week, Talk about Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek seek God doing stuff for everybody and then get in the middle of everybody and it'll be there for you too. See, because here's the thing. God doesn't just want to bless you. He doesn't just want to make you blessed. He wants to make you a blessing. And you know what? It's, It's one thing to have blessings. It's another thing to have so many blessings that you are a blessing to everybody else. When he told Israel, he didn't just say, Israel, nation Israel, you're going to be blessed. No, he said, I'm going to bless you so much that you're going to bless everybody you're around. Other nations are going to be blessed because they they, they connect with you. Other nations are going to be blessed because they're around you. Other nations are going to be blessed because they pray for you and because they encourage you and lift you up and pray over you. You're going to be so blessed that you, so, so you know, what, what we can do is we can keep seeking ours and the me and the mind, the I and, and all that, or we can get out of the way and say, God, pour it all into me. Give it all to me, God. I want, I, I want it all for my family. And I don't mean just those three or four or five around you, but my family. Because, see, this is a together thing. The reason I push you to get in a small group the reason I put get here early on Sunday Hang around don't hurry out the door connect with some people because the blessings are not in you getting alone all by yourself And said now God how are you gonna bless me today the blessings? Are you getting in the middle of what he has called, created and called his church? That he has made his promises to he calls his body he calls us his bride and that he has done all of these things to redeem us unto himself and the promises are to us. Get in the middle of all that. Be a part of all that because that's where it's at. And I, I, I got to get to this last one. I got to throw this last one at you real quick, this last obstacle, conflict with others' dreams. You see, once, once it seems like things start going south, then all of a sudden your dreams start to get run over by other people's dreams, right? Isn't that what happens? You know, you, you got the dream, this is going to happen, then all of a sudden things start going south and all these other dreams start coming. Joseph had it. His brothers, they dreamed he would die. I <laughs> hope nobody's dreaming you die. <laughs> you know, his mom and dad, they had dreams for him. He was sold into slavery. He had to serve in Potiphar's house. Potiphar, everything Potiphar said, it, it, was, it, it made Joseph's dream come subservient to it because now he was the master and Joseph was the slave. And so his dream every day slid under somebody else's dreams. And, 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 and you look around you and you've got all these people around, your friends, their dreams and the way they, they want to relate to you and have relationship with you and how they require, you know, a, a lot of fair weather type friends, you know, that, that they're your friend as long as things are going just a certain way. And so the things that they require of you that way, those are, the, those are like other dreams that get in the way of your dream. It's like I can't get back to my dream because I got all these other dreams and you get married And your spouse has dreams and you have kids and they have dreams And they have dreams all day and all night long and you don't ever get to even think about your dreams anymore sometimes And you think one of these days we're going to be empty nesters and it's all going to be back to us again And it's never going to be all back to you again You've always got you always got these competing dreams that they're going to constantly be coming. So what do you do? Understand this, dreams come and dreams go, dreams die. People let dreams die every single day. Here's what I want to tell you, hang on to the dream. Because all the dreams that are competing in your life, yours and all the others that are competing, most of those are going to die. You get to decide which dream stays alive. So dream on. Keep dreaming. Don't let it die. Don't let it go away. You keep it alive. You keep it, you keep it rejuvenated. You keep it stirred up. Because when, when you do that, you're the one that decides this dream is going to outlive every other dream that is in my way today. Make up your mind. And how, how, how do I know? How do I know who's going who's gonna to get there? I've, I've pastored now a little over 20 years. 30 years in ministry and 20 plus. As a pastor and I'm not as ignorant as you used to be. I may be stupid in some areas, but I'm not quite as ignorant. How, how do you know? Let me tell you, I, I, I know. I know a few things. I'm, I'm a people watcher. I watch people. I like figuring out stuff just by watching people. I mean, walking up down the mall, you know, and like just figure stuff out about said So you know, and just like to whisper to my family, you know, relationships, said, look, those are, they're doing this and that and that. I'm saying, well, how do you know that? I, I, I like to do that. And as a pastor, I think that's just something God kind of gifted me with is to, is to watch people and, and figure out, you know, who needs prayer, who needs something, who needs this and who needs that. And so then when, when pastor says, uh, hey, I, you know, I think you would really enjoy getting to this small group, understand it's not just because I want to fill that small group up, it's because God's shown me something in your life and you need something. It's because God's allowed me to see something because I'm a people watcher. That's what, that's, that's what a shepherd is, right? He, he watches the sheep. I watch people. And so when you get an email from me, you get a text from me, you get a phone call from me, it's not just because, hey, we got to fill this thing up. You better, you, know, we, you better get there and help me fill this thing. No, it's because you need to be there. We created it. Listen, we, if so, something doesn't work around here, we'll kill it. We'll shoot it. We'll grill it. You know, Sacred cows kind of thing. You know, We'll barbecue it, whatever. You know, We'll get rid of it. We do things not just so we can fill stuff up. We do things because we look and see where the needs are, who they are. And w- w- when you get invited, it's because it's because you need to be involved in something like this because of something I see. But let me, let me tell you something about, as a pastor, how, how I recognize those that are going to realize their dream. Last point. You ready for it? How do you know, pastor? You see, because I look around, I see people say, yep, they're going to realize their dream. And they'll look at another and say, if that doesn't change, they will never realize their dream. How do you, how do you know that, Pat? Let me tell you. It is in the response you have to the pit. The way you respond to the pit. Joseph's brothers got so mad at him, they wanted to kill him. And, find, and, and Reuben said, no, 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 don't kill him. Let's just throw him in a pit. We'll leave him here. And Reuben, word, word of God says, Reuben was planning on after everybody left, he was going to go back and get Joseph out of the pit. But they ended up selling him into slavery. But while Joseph was in the pit, your response to the pit tells me a lot if you're ever going to get out of the pit. And here, let me, let me throw four responses to the pit at you real quick. As, as I stand and as I look down into the pit, and I see some of you in the pit today. Some of you got dreams, but they've thrown you in the pit. And you're trying to figure out, you know, I just need a little breathing room. I just need a little hope. I just need, and, and they've thrown you into the pit. And so I'm looking over in the pit today, and I'm looking to see who's going to make it and who's not. Let me tell you some things, some things I notice when I look into the pit about who's going to realize their dream, who's going to get out of it. The first one I, the first one I see is I see, I see that guy who struts around with arrogance. The arrogance. How dare they throw me in this pit? God spoke to me this morning in a dream. How dare, they? yeah. That's the way it works sometimes, isn't it? Man, you come out of your prayer closet, you are on fire for God, and nobody else cares. As a matter of fact, if, they, if anything, they will destroy the fire that God put in you. And, and, and the, <laughs> there is there is an inclination within us, as religious people, to throw our shoulders back and say, "How dare they? God, bring down fire and brimstone upon their head." I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's and in the arrogance. And you know what? Let me tell you, a lot of us church-going Christian people, we are trapped by arrogance. Because, and I don't mean this in a real ugly, ugly way, but by the arrogance of, of, wait a minute, who we are? And we're trapped by that. I can't admit to you that I need a counselor. Pastor, do you know a counselor I go to? I can't admit that to anybody. I'm a leader in the church. Did, have you, did you hear me just a little while ago tell you that I've got two mentors and a counselor friend? <laughs> that, did you hear that? You know, Craig Rochelle, pastors, I don't know how many tens of thousands of people, and when he said at that conference, he talked about going to see a counselor. You know, I said, thank you. Thank you for releasing some of these other ministers here to realize. I mean, hey, if you're pastoring 40,000 people, you got your problems and you got 40,000 other people's problems. You need somebody to talk to. If you're a leader, people are coming to you with their problems. And if there's anybody that needs somebody to talk to, it's the leaders of God who are embattled. So quit walking or strutting around with your arrogance that this is who I am. And just go ahead and admit to yourself and get out of the trap. And allow yourselves to be real. Allow yourselves to hurt. Allow yourselves to tell others, I need prayer today. Because I've got got friends that are in that trap. They have to show up on Sunday morning. And I'm not talking about their dress on the outside. But I mean with their face and everything. And they have to be. Even though they're dying on the inside. They are trapped by the arrogance. I can't let people know that I'm struggling. You'll never get out of the pit. You'll never see the dream. If you strut in arrogance. Secondly, those who are sitting in confusion. Somebody's sitting in confusion. I can't figure this out, Pastor. I don't know what in the world's going on. I don't know, Pastor. I I relate to that. I got a lot of days. I don't I ain't got a clue what's going on. God's giving me a dream. I've got a vision. I got a plan. He spoke to me this morning. 4 15, he spoke to me. And by two or three o'clock that afternoon, I'm wondering, you know, so you ever wonder if you're a Christian? You know, I heard from God this morning and then by two or three o'clock I'm saying, God, that was you this morning, wasn't it? Come on, I just want to be real with you today. We all go through times of confusion and your enemy, he doesn't care. You know, I know confusion looks like, well, but he's not killed you. He don't care. If you're sitting in confusion with your head in your hands and you just don't know what to, he doesn't care because what he does know is that you're not dreaming anymore. You're not doing anything anymore. You're not fighting anymore. You're not going after it anymore. So if he can just get some confusion, but you will never, you will never get out of the pit if you just stay in that state of confusion. And then there are those who have the posture of surrender. It could be this. I'm done. Get me out of here. Kill me. Do what you want to with me. Or it could be just give up, lay down, give up, and die. I don't care. I'm done. I'll never have this. I'll never, I know that that dream probably was from God, but I'll never have it and just give up. And there's two ways to give up. Some people give up and they give up to just die. Just whatever happens the rest of my life just happens. They have no drive. They have no initiative. They have no hope for anything awesome to ever happen in their life again. But you know what a lot of others do? They give up on this dream that is awesome, that is wonderful, that is God-given, because of all the stuff that he's got. And they find something over here that, wait, I can go over here and I'll do this and I'll just be busy and I won't have to worry about the dreams anymore. I'll just stay busy. I'll just stay busy doing churchy stuff. I'll, I'll read my I'll memorize more and more and more and more scriptures. Even though God told me to do this, I'll go over here and I'll do this. I'll, I'll lead, I'll lead another small group. I'll, I'll lead two more small groups. You know, I, I, I'll go volunteer 10 more hours at the church. Now listen, I'm not saying we don't need people to volunteer at the church. We don't need more people to leave, small groups. But if you are leading a small group or you're volunteering at the church because you, are, you have given up on your dream, you're hiding from, you're hiding from the dream because it's, it got too hard to hang on to the dream, and it's a lot easier to just go over here and act like I'm a good Christian and just do some of the stuff instead of doing what is going to get me to the dream. You're never going to see the dream. You've given up. You may, be, you may be the busiest person in the church, but you gave up. Take the dream back. Take the dream back. Dream again. Dream on. Do you, do you remember when you had the dream? Do you remember what it looked like? Do you remember how awesome? I'm encouraging you to dream on today. I want to ask you. Oh, please, first... Please, I want to ask you today. I'm te- I, I, let me tell you, I'm preaching to you, not looking down into the pit. I'm preaching to you from the pit today. I've got dreams for this church, and I don't mean the institution of who we are. I've got dreams for you in this church, and we've been under attack for the last two years. I've got dreams for my marriage and 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 our our health and, and other things that you know the, the illnesses that we had this past this past year or so a year and a half now You know and and, and with our kids I've got we've been under attack I'm not I'm not preaching from the top. I'm preaching from the pit this morning. I'm telling you my dreams are under attack and you know what? I'm tired And I'm not tired and I want to quit I'm tired and I'm ready for it to be over. I'm ready for the dream. I'm ready to see it. I'm ready to experience it. I'm ready to hold it. I'm ready to embrace it. I'm ready to own it. I'm ready to know it. I'm ready to picture it. I'm ready for you to see it. I'm ready for us to walk in it. Would somebody say amen with me? Amen. Go ahead. You can, yes. Somebody whose dream is almost dead. Somebody whose dream has been under attack like mine. And there should be dozens of you stand up right now. Stand up and come down here with me. I want to pray over us right now. Come on, your dream's under attack. I'm ready for my dream to to be realized. I am tired, but I'm not tired in giving up. I am tired in going forward. Come on, come. Please come. Everybody stand with me if you will. Everybody stand. But if you're ready for your dream, come to the front. (coughs) <coughs> I, I, I didn't tell you what the fourth one was yet. It's on the screen, but I didn't tell you that yet, did I? Let's see. And, and I want to invite everybody to come, if you will, if you want to join us. Please, everybody come. We like to close around front with a final song and a final prayer anyway. We're going to do that right now. But i, I got one last little thing to tell you. And, and my intent was to get down here and say it. But there's too many of you, you can't see me, (laughs) so I'm going to stand up here so you can see me. Let me tell you about the people that get out of the pit. Let me tell you about their posture. Let me tell you about their attitude. Let me tell you about their faith. It is a posture of determination. It is an attitude of determination. It is a faith of determination. Because when I look over into the pit as a pastor and I see some of my brothers and sisters, some of my family, and that's the Christian family, you know what I'm talking about, right? Talking about you guys. And I see you struggling because you're in the pit. And I look over and I see you. And I say, there's one that's going to make it. You know why I know? Because they're pacing, because they're stirring themselves. And I'm not talking about physically, I'm talking about spiritually. But if you want to go ahead and pace right here, you can with me, okay? they're pacing, they're stirring themselves up, they're brooding, they're they're thinking. They're dreaming it all over again. They're imagining what this is going to look like when it is over and when the last enemy, when their dreams have died and your dream is realized, they're imagining what it's going to look. They are stewing inside and they are, they are challenging every demon of hell that has been coming against them. Uh, they are itching for it. They are yearning for it. They are, they are believing for it. They are calling it down. They are asking God for it. They are, they are, they, they, they are praying about it. They are entreating him. They are emboldening Themselves, so the the believing that God, believing that God is going to do it. They have challenged themselves. They've stirred themselves. They're they're passionate again about the dream. They are impassioned. They are now they're now on fire. They're ready to go. Y'all go ahead and start playing when you can. They're trusting God again. It, It looks like it's over, but they're trusting God again. They're believing again. They're willing to believe. They're choosing again. They're imagining it again they're picturing it they're visualizing it again they're tasting it again oh come, come on somebody bow your head with me right now just close your eyes is that you is that you they're speaking it again they're reframing it all over again they're imagining how wonderful it's going to be they're challenging they are battling They are warring. They are brawling with the devils of hell over their dream to say, this is mine. And the one thing they will never do is they will never stop dreaming. Somebody, somebody today, stir yourself. Challenge yourself. Impact. Light your own fire today. If there's nobody that'll light it, light your own fire today. Believe again. Fight again. You know why God didn't tell me last Wednesday why He didn't warn me it was going to be bad? We know life is going to be bad. We don't need to hear. We don't need a warning that life is going to be bad. Why Joseph didn't have a dream that God showed him this and this and all these bads? Why did Joseph have a dream about a dream? You know why? Because we don't need to hear about the bad. We already know about the bad. We need to know that there's hope on the other side. And if he ever gave you a dream today, get a hold of that dream and keep dreaming on. There's hope on the other side of whatever you're walking through. Dream on right now. Would you join with me in prayer?